Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works, or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the magnificent Marcus Brigstock. Uh, normally we sort of ask people what they've been doing, but I imagine you've been at a festival. I've been at a festival this weekend. In fact, I'm still at it. Oh, Should we, we say for the benefit of the people who aren't at this festival but are listening to this recording that we're at a festival? We are. Should we make that clear, do you think? Yeah, we're, we're at we a are, festival. We are, this is Rule of Three live from Latitude. Yeah. So obviously normally, normally we'd sort of, uh, sort of catch up on what you've been doing, you've <laughs> been writing, performing and things. But why, why not just dive straight in and talk about what we're going to talk about? We asked you to come on here and pick anything from the world of comedy that had influenced you or yeah. affected or touched your heart. Yes. And you <laughs> said I, something brilliant. Well, I yes, I thought for a long time about how important it is to look important and pick something clever and worthwhile and initially I was going in the direction of Peter Cook and all the rest of it and then I thought actually the comedy above all other things that may has made me laugh more than I think anything else and just makes me happy even to think of it is ladies and gentlemen it's the Muppet Show I love the Muppet Show I love the Muppet Statler and Waldorf didn't like it they're furious <laughs> It's time to raise the curtain on the Muppet Show. 
Uh, I've loved The Muppet Show since as far back as I can remember, and I had The Muppet Show albums on vinyl and I've still got them. They're the only two records that I've had for all of all of my consciousness and treasure them and uh, still listen to them and still find them funny. I think that's on Desert Island Discs now. They say apart from Bible Shakespeare and the two Muppet albums. Yeah. Then you have to choose the other discs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I do. I love it. And so, uh, and then I was thinking about, well, which Muppet? And my sort of first love is for Kermit. But in terms of this, it had to be the one and only indescribable Great Gonzo. So we are going to sit in a tent in front of people and talk about the Great Gonzo. And we're going to talk about the Great Gonzo as if we're pitching the BBC4 biopic, which we, I think, who, who are we going to get to star as Gonzo? Well, my, my last thought just before I came on stage was Tom Hardy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's cast. I feel like it's the sort of thing that late in the day might go to Russell Crowe and everyone will be furious. <laughs> <laughs> everyone will be absolutely livid. But what interested me about this, first of all, you got a brilliant idea saying, let's not do the Muppet show, let's do a Muppet. Yes. A brilliant idea. Um, that gives us so many more Muppet episodes, doesn't oh, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's keep them open. When someone comes and does Beauregard, I am there. I um, want someone to come on and do Waldorf but not stand. <laughs> to get that divisive. Return it to the Labour Party. <laughs> Or cra- Crazy Harry, who I think said a total of one sentence across all of the series. <laughs> Crazy yeah. Harry is very much the poor man's Gonzo, I feel. Yeah, I agree. The thing about Gonzo is that he's a really good example. Once you start thinking about Gonzo, about tells you how the Muppets work as a whole thing. Yeah. Because what Gonzo has got is depth. He's there. He's an entertainer. The show can't start without Gonzo. Absolutely. Because at the beginning, he has to, in the first series, hit the O of Muppet Show like a gong. Or in the rest of them, come out of the O and blow a little trumpet. Yeah. Green smoke. First joke of the show went to Gonzo every single time, and as often as not, he'd appear with an enormous trumpet that would go... <laughs> like that, or a tiny trumpet that would go... Wah! Or just he'd appear and something would hit him and he'd disappear. And Flamethrowers. Yeah. He is. He sets the tone for the whole show because Kermit's waved his arms about and sends them up at show. Yeah. And they, also, he said, and our special guest star, and said someone either amazing or who you've never heard of. Yeah. Because it was for the Americans. The Muppets is a, is a transatlantic production. Lou Grade made it. He made lots of money off Thunderbirds. So he trusted puppets to sell internationally. And there so were, there were kids all through the 70s sitting down going, oh, fantastic, it's Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Melton Burl. <laughs> people you never heard of. And weirdly, because this tells you a lot about how the Muppets works, is that you sit down as a kid in the 70s watching watch the Muppets because it's on. And it's on where a variety show would normally be. You'd yeah. sit through with your parents that would have had Sasha Distel on it and you'd have got, I don't know who this is. Yeah. But it was your version of that show. And it had the same stars in it, but also... Gonzo. Yeah, exactly. You know, often a a really, really great, very high quality performer, a dancer, a singer or something like that with a Muppet chorus behind them, you know, (laughs) backed by by an orchestra of pigs. And so even if you didn't know who it was, you know, I remember like I was introduced via the Muppet show to songs that I now hear on like quite obscure jazz records. And you're like, Wow, so What Now My Love was not written by them. Does anyone know the song What Now My Love, right? And do you remember the Muppet thing? So the, the, there was a backing of pigs going, bum, 
and moving nearer to Miss Piggy throughout and getting louder while she could what now my love and you could just hear her voice start to go now that you've left because she's so angry that they're getting louder and is trying to compete with them but they're like these were great songs there's yeah. a song um a time in a bottle by jim Croce. jim Croce. yeah grim Croce. jim croce thank you that I've loved since I think I was four years old and I had no idea it wasn't written by the Muppets. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a show that's run by hippies. It's run by hipsters yeah. and hippies. They've got excellent music taste. And the, the whole point about the Muppets is it's, it's run by people who know theatre and they know music and they're, they're not giving you their, their sweepings. It's not a children's show that talks down to kids. This is the music they want to hear. So they will do uh, Buffalo Springfields, for what it's worth, on there. They'll do oh. Now, that was incredible. So, Buffalo Springfields, <laughs> for what it's worth, was a lot of animals, very small, very cute, fluffy animals, singing that song, but in this really like, is something happening here? What is it exactly here? And then when it broke out into the chorus, there was a whole bunch of rednecks with shotguns that appeared, and you're like, what? Don't shoot the animals. Don't shoot the animals, but they're not shooting the animals. They're shooting heavy machinery, right? That's that's smashing down the forest. They're working on behalf of the small animals. And I had this on the record and it made no sense until years <laughs> later when I saw it. Because at the end, you can hear one of the rednecks turn to the other and go, I shot me the biggest cement mixer you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. But they were the rednecks were saving the forest on behalf of the animals, and and Buffalo Springfield's for what it's worth was about that was about the conservation for it these creatures. It gives you these associations, oh. and it's done through a real love of music. You're you're the classical music person. Who's uh, polonaise? Is it? is it Chopin's polonaise? Yep. Uh, they do Chopin's polonaise, and the the orchestra pull out, and they they do it, but the Electric Mayhem band perform it, and it's so good. And it's a proper rock orchestral version of it. And that band, that was one of the first bands I'd seen working, that there was a guitarist, a bassist, yeah. a drummer. That's a proper band. And so much complexity as you get older. So Floyd, who played guitar, named for Pink Floyd, but dressed as Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> Zoot, named for Zoot Sims, but dressed as John Coltrane. Rolf, based on Tom Waits, and a very early version of Tom Waits. Rolf, the pianist, he sat there and just playing the songs and he'd think about what he was going to say. I didn't know that. Is Tom Waits. Dr. Teeth is Dr. John and dressed as Dr. John. Do you, know, do you know what his original name was? Go on. His original name was Leon Dr. Elton John Don't Shoot, brackets the piano player. Yeah! <laughs> That's so great. Actually, you've got to show... The, the, you can tell that the, the Muppets was not done... Uh, they'd come from Sesame Street, which is very much a charitable thing to educate kids. But when they came over to, to transfer and they were trying to do something that was... Like, it's a thing that doesn't happen very often, to make a family show that isn't for grown-ups and it isn't for kids. And you can tell where they were by the original working title. Well, yeah, the Muppets, <laughs> the Muppets have been around since the late 50s, but they made a pilot called the Muppet Valentine Show in 1973. And then they made a second pilot, which then became the series. For, uh, they made it for ABC. And Jim Henson wanted to call it... Wait for it. Sex and violence with the Muppets. 
And ABC said, we absolutely insist you change the title to The Muppet Show. So he did. And then ABC turned it down, which is why it was all shot at Elstree. Yeah, so one of the reasons as well, growing up as a, as a British person watching it, it was an American show with American stars in it, but it would occasionally have British stars in it, so it would have Bruce Forsyth and things. Mm. So oddly, it was a very good way of getting into the whole world of showbiz. Yeah. And you wouldn't know who half the people were, but that, that wasn't a barrier. It didn't matter. Kid. Absolutely didn't matter. And are you familiar with the song Saxon Violence? Yes. That the Muppets did, which yep. presumably was Jim just getting that away. <laughs> An amazing moment with Zoot having a, having a discussion with Dr. Teeth, I think. You ready for this, Zoot? <laughs> if I had a match, I could put it out of its misery. And just before it starts, Zoot says, forgive me, Charlie Parker, wherever you are. <laughs> and then the song just goes, do, 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 do. And that's all Zoot gets is this, and that's it. That was Saxon violence. Of course, Animal's based on Keith Moon, isn't That's it? right, yeah. and Janice, named for Janis Joplin, yeah. but based uh, on Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell, yeah. 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 Animal was, um, oh, really? they, they considered at one point giving Animal four arms. <laughs> <laughs> I only noticed watching, you re-watching it for this, how long Animal's legs are. When he's sitting oh, behind, yeah. it's like a spider. There's this huge sort of, it's like a cantilevered creature yeah. behind. They're so good. And they're, the thing that works with the Muppets is that no matter what you're watching for a kid, something's about to happen. Yes. So even if you're watching some, in inverted commas, boring music or a singer you don't like, or Judy Collins has come on and is singing something beautiful in dry ice, you know something's going to explode, something's going to fall on them, or a big hairy thing is going to attack her at some point. Yeah. And it's, it's, a lovely, kind of, it's sort of the same recipe that, the, that Morecambe and Wise used when they got yeah. people on, which is, yeah, you're going to come on, you're going to do your serious thing, we're going to mess about in the background yeah. and fall through the stairs or whatever. And what, somehow make all of these things better. With, like, they, they did undermine, but so consciously. And then also, like, when a number would come off, past Kermit's desk and he'd do that hey great number and, and like and off they went there was something so incredibly joyful or they'd all be complaining about their costumes it just made you know at that age going to the theatre I maybe went to a pantomime once in a while but it made that world come to life it's got a backstage thing it's, what it's doing it's working in two levels at once it's a sketch a variety show obviously it's meant to be a variety show uh, in a variety theatre and it's in the Morecambe Wise slot where you would sit and watch that. Yeah. It's also a sketch show because it's got things that you couldn't do on stage like Pigs in Space or Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and things. Uh, that are just sketches. Veterinarian's Mu Hospital. Muppet News, <laughs> reports from Coosbane. But then it's also, it's a sitcom because at the beginning yeah. there'll be a declared Kermit uh, will have a problem and then it will play out over the thing. So it's actually the three best forms all running at once. Yeah. And then you go a puppet show on top of that. And it's yeah. just... The depth and, of and, value. And for me, you know, loving loving all of that and loving all of those characters, what they then did, out of all of that insanity, right, a drummer based on Keith Moon who's, <laughs> who needed four arms and all the rest of it, they had a character in there that they found weird. Yes. And that's Gonzo the Great. <laughs> He's Literally, the weird one. In that world, <laughs> even they were like... Well, he's, in, he's, in, joined in, he's, he's, he's found a home there. There's a lovely sense, especially when they go to the movies uh, before he settles down. When they sort of eventually go, we're going to do big stories. That yeah. Gonzo has found a home. He's run away to join the circus. Yeah. He's, he's welcome. And it's not clear who he is. There's a lovely bit where... Um, where John Cleese lists the, the animals that he's been forced to work with. You go with pigs and a bear and a 
that thing that catches cannonballs, and he's not even got a species. No, he's down no. In, in, I think it's Muppets in Space, or one of them, his crate for when he gets shipped just says, whatever. That's right, yes, <laughs> long, yes. Long before people went, well, whatever. That, like, was, that was his definition. That was uh, Jim Henson decided he's a whatever. That's what he is, yeah. he's just a whatever. He's like... There's some turkey in there. I think these are Kermit's words, actually. <laughs> it was a time he was looking at Gonzo and someone had asked, he went, there's definitely some turkey in there. <laughs> it's like, Which it's like, also made his, his long-standing, loving relationship with Camilla the Chicken much more palatable to us all. Yes. Yes, I, I think you, you feel forget, like... You forget he's also possibly a farmyard animal. This maybe. Is maybe he's from space. We don't know. But there's enough turkey in there for his relationship with Camilla to feel like, I think that's okay. Well, that's that, all right. That was an ad lib. That, uh, the, the puppeteer who operated... We'll t- God, we've got to tell the story of the origin of Gonzo, but the puppeteer who operated Gonzo was a guy called Dave Goals. Uh, and he ad libbed a line as he was auditioning chickens for a hypnotising chickens act. As the chickens walked off, he looked around and went, nice legs! <laughs> and then something clicked in Gold's mind and went, I'm going to keep that. Yeah. And he just kept lusting after the fire. And that was, that was a, a real chicken in that in that <laughs> sketch as well. It was a real chicken. And then, and then the other chicken. You can't put real animals in the Muppet show. That's, there were, there that's were sometimes real animals. This, is, yeah, this yeah. is like that thing with, if, isn't it? If Goofy's a dog, what's Pluto? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah. Anyway, yes. But but Camilla, I mean, Camilla is so loving to Gonzo when she she's occasionally upset by how he behaves, but she she makes these beautiful noises when she's near him. These very soft, <laughs> tender. Like, <laughs> she gets really near, and there's a song. Um, uh, genuine danger of me welling up as I try to describe it. There's a song that Gonzo does uh, called the Wishing Song. And he says, I wish I had, oh, I wish I had a coat of thing and a, um, I wish I had a lady fair and all of this stuff. And, and he's so desperately sad. And the last line before the bit in the middle with Camilla is, he, he says, most of all, I wish that I was someone else but me. I know, right? It's killing. He just, he's lost all sense of purpose and because he's wishing, he's lusting after all of these things. And then Camilla comes up to him and goes, I'm glad you're you. And then he resings the whole thing about this stuff that he doesn't have, but he can see all those things. And they don't belong to him, but he can see them. He says, I don't have a lady fair, but there goes a butterfly. And then ends with, and, and most of all, I'm glad that I am me. Oh, this beautiful that? little purple half turkey thing. What's, it? what's that? What's that defining so difference between Disney and Henson? I oh, you told a, me this one. A, someone said this is a difference between Disney's uh, underlying philosophy in his films, in the Disney Corporation's films. The belief is that we're all the same and we should all get on, and in the Muppets, Henson's are we're all different and we should all get on. Now, most of all, I know that I to be me I'm happy to be me and it's an essential difference it's a slightly right wing left wing thing going on there about conformity versus just accepting you for who you are the great thing about the story of Gonzo and this is BBC4 Tom Hardy 
Oh, possibly Bohemian Rhapsody. The songs would be good. A big Oscar winning biopic. The great thing is the story of this is the story of Dave Goals. Yes. And how you invent a character. What the Muppets have got, which is really hard to. They're socks with soul. And they've got this soul, and it's in the design and in the puppeteering and the script writing and the performance and the music. It's all together. But you have got a thing that is effectively just a sock with eyes. Dave Goles was, uh, worked at the puppet workshop. He was not a puppeteer. He was just a builder. He was a really good builder. And he said to Henson, can I have a, can I have a, a, a stab at doing some puppeteering? And Henson went, because he was Henson, go, there you go, you're on the show. Uh, and the, the Muppet he gave him was, was Gonzo. And Dave Goles said, I was insecure. I had definitely the worst singing voice of any Muppet performer. <laughs> and the, he said, what voice is Gonzo going to have? What, this one? And I just stuck with that for the rest of his career. <laughs> And he went out with this, this puppet and looked at it and it had these droopy eyes and he went, he's shy and a bit broken and a bit low status. And he played him like that for a bit. And then slowly he evolved and he evolved because of something that Henson did. Doug Goals gave a performance and Henson a bigger, bigger, bigger. He was doing this sort of downtrodden, very shy outsider performance as Gonzo who didn't fit in even in the Muppets. And Henson said, bigger, bigger, bigger. And at some point Goals delivered a no at full Gonzo. No! And Henson went, his eyes need to roll back. And he built him a mechanism where the eyes would roll back. And so Gonzo now had two registers. Complete broken-hearted terror and utter, utter manic energy. At this point in the recording, there was a technical fault on the Latitude recording desk, meaning certain phrases have been lost. To preserve the flow of the show, we will now play what remains of this section of the recording with some silly noises. We hope it gives you a sense of the whole performance. And that is what would happen if Impostor Syndrome got on a motorbike and attempted to jump over Statter and Waldorf. Exactly, that quivering excitement, the eyes rolled back. He was all about high art, but Gonzo was suspended above the stage, nine foot above the stage, suspended by his nose on a feather boa. And this again, like, this is part of the genius of what they did with Gonzo, is that the aim was always high, the failure he found looking like a hockey puck. And he goes past a turk and goes, it went terrific! <laughs> He's so pleased with himself. Uh, uh, Ina Kleiner Nacht music is playing while he eats a tyre. No, it's it's the flight. It's the flight of the bumblebee. Because no, the Ina Klein and music, Ina music one is the one where he's up a, a ten foot up a pole, which is being eaten by a beaver. Yeah, he's <laughs> trying to complete he's, it. He's playing it on the bagpipes. Yes, he, as well, that's right. Yeah, but I remember the uh, I remember eating the rubber tie because it was on the record album, and I never saw the sketch. I just heard it. <laughs> and it was such a brilliant thing for me. I've been very lucky to make as much radio comedy as I have, and that it's such a cliche that the pictures are better, but the pictures are amazing. You know, the series I did of Giles Wembley Hogg, we sent him to like 30 destinations around the world because we could. And this on the record, I remember Gonzo saying, I will now eat a rubber tire to the music of the flight of the bumblebee. A piece of music I was not familiar with until then. And then all you had on the album, along with the flight of the bumblebee in the background was this sound. <laughs> Ta -da! And then it finished. <laughs> As far as I was concerned, he'd eaten a rubber tyre. What a well, brilliant... Once, I watched a load in a row the other night. Um, actually, my favourite one had no high art in it at all. It was just Gonzo wrestling a brick. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's the one where he was, I was promised a welterweight brick. <laughs> That's right, yeah, because the brick he... wins. Yeah, he loses, yeah. <laughs> Gonzo just... does a rock act. 
was Gonzo hitting a rock with a mallet. Uh, there's one here, I don't remember this sketch, to be honest, and the only description given on Muppet Wiki is simply, Gonzo dresses as a little girl. <laughs> what is, yeah, and Gonzo was blindfolded when he wrestled the brick. Oh, this was good. Do you remember when George Burns was on it? Yeah. And they did Gonzo fiddles while George Burns. <laughs> that, I'd like that, obviously, applause is, is necessary. What's interesting about Gonzo, I think, a lot of the other characters, I wouldn't know how to write for The Muppet Show. I think it's a very hard thing to do because it's family. There are jokes you can do and can't do. It's very physical. And The Muppet Show obviously works as a piece of puppetry, as, as slapstick and things, but it's Gonzo, I think, of all the characters, is a writer's character. Because you can just read the descriptions of, of what he does and you can hear the writer's room laughing. That anything that, that he's got this lovely turn of phrase that's very... Uh, roundabout and pompous whenever when he turns to Fozzie and under his breath says very droll bear and it's just <laughs> lovely phrases and where, where, he's, where he's about to do the, the, the hypnotising thing with the, the huge weight he's trying to get volunteers and he goes you idiots this is your chance for immortality oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's got that grandness that means he's fun to write and then also when you go what's he going to do this week and everyone around the table does that thing and go well he's going to be up a pole Riss, Anna Klein and Knack music. It's a writer's riff. Yeah, and you, he can do anything. And in in the writer's room, when you're throwing ideas around, you like you keep going until you go one too far, <laughs> and then you come back one to probably the one or maybe the first one or something like that. But you can tell this had gone round the table. Gonzo yodels Rimsky Korsakov <laughs> while riding a motorized pogo stick. The pogo stick goes out of control, acting as a jackhammer, and blasts him down through the floor, <laughs> preventing him from yodeling all of Rimsky-Korsakov. Like, what's, that's what's, the last one, isn't it? That's like, all right, let's break for lunch, everybody. What's great, what's great about him is that he's... The thing is that though they are... They're obviously writing room gags, aren't they? Because you're just reaching for silly things. But he is always invested with so much ambition, isn't he? Yes. He's trying so hard. It's ambition and confidence is a lovely one where he goes, I'm going to go simple. Two words for you. Dancing cheese. <laughs> 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 and he's standing there with a lump of cheese. Yeah. And I wish when he goes, dance, you little firebrand, dance! <laughs> and it's the desperation, the confidence and he is an essay about confidence and he is I think why he goes in much deeper even maybe there's enormous sadness to Fozzie yeah. but there's none of that confidence in Fozzie Fozzie is a fail he's a bad comedian sort of he's, a he's everyone's nightmare he's, yeah. no one really wants to be where Fozzie is but sort of you'd like a bit of Gonzo's attitude absolutely unstoppability and also I mean the whole of the whole of the Muppet show is Closer, and I, I know I've made a load of it myself, but it's much closer to the ethos of trying is good, which I believe is right mm. in comedy. Yeah. I, I, I would rather see a comedian make the effort and miss than see someone too cool to try. And and there's there's something in the Muppet Show that their level of enthusiasm for what they take on, especially embodied in Gonzo that I absolutely love and it's kind of easy to, to forget about when you're trying to create things like yeah. trying is good aiming high is good being ridiculous and not being afraid of failure is, is good these are the most wonderful things did you ever see you're talking about the, the walking past Kermit backstage things yeah. I read I had a book from the library I used to get out all the time called Of Muppets and Men it was a great big coffee table book I could never have afforded. <laughs> and it was about the making of the Muppets, the Muppet show, the Muppet movie. And what it showed me is I'd already appreciated, like, Gonzo was ambitious. But you pull one stage out and say, oh, the Kermit was ambitious. 
pull out and see what those guys were doing. You do a gonzo routine. You need to get a Muppet on a motorbike with rockets out the back. Oh, yeah. Every one of these things is a big stunt thing. It's a big build. It's not two puppets doing that. It's not Punch and Judy. These are ambitious things for the Muppet people to try. Yeah. To try and push. I know someone said it. It might have been Roger Ebert that when Kermit rides that bike in the Muppet movie, it was the biggest leap forward in cinema since The Jazz Singer. It was doing something that's genuinely impossible on screen. Yeah. Probably the next one's like Jurassic Park or something. But they tried to do things that were impossible. And you looked in Muppets and Men, and there were these great raised stages with loads of full-grown hippies underneath it doing this all day with the world's strongest arm and all doing comedy they couldn't see on monitors. Just the sheer technical stuff that you as a kid just watched it and went, oh, they're Muppets. But yeah. as an adult, look at it and go, the ambition of making this show is an example to everyone. Say, don't go for second best. Yeah. And, Be and, gonzo. <laughs> and, and as part of that picture for me was was the audience in, in that theatre, that weird collection of fluff and feathers <laughs> yeah. that swayed along with songs or got very excited or very downtrodden with uh, Waldorf and Statler over the top shouting everything down, whether it was good or, or not, you know? Well, and that, that, it, that completed the world in their, in their theatre. That shot with all those puppets, just imagine all those people underneath it yeah. operating, just suddenly taking a step back as a, uh, as a, as a kid and thinking... They made that on the TV. And also, they made that on the TV for me. They made this show, this brilliant show with brilliant songs that none of which talked down to me. They made it, and I, this belongs to me. It's not like for my parents. It's not like watching Secret Army or something like Pompous that's for my mum and dad. This was made for all of us. It was incredibly exciting to watch something that was so hard yeah. and been put, thrown away for dancing cheese jokes. And my, you know, it, it, it's so often stated the whole kind of cross-generational thing, but my grandparents, my parents, and I, and my sister, we'd all sit down and watch the Muppet Show and everybody loved it. Yeah, I think they? I did drive them a bit mad with with the tape in the car. <laughs> uh, Gonzo sings top hat, white tie and tails while tap dancing in oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. amazing one the curtain opens for gonzo on stage with a swinging rubber tire a flaming torch and a cow <laughs> she replaced the typewriter the act goes no further as he is pelted with vegetables <laughs> <laughs> he never sort of fails and uh, it's it's it doesn't matter what happens you know he's going to be okay because of that confidence because that face and what you're reading in that face the voice and the performance is part of it is that face is the classic muppet face which is simple it's just a ball with eyes and it's a bit like there's a there's a phenomena called uh, pareidolia which is why you see faces in plug sockets and why ghosts sort of exist you see shadows and make faces out. and the muppets are a perfect example of pareidolia they're not when you see later muppets where they're too detailed or even that dark crystal you can tell it's a puppet yeah animatronic things don't look real but weirdly kermit and gonzo and fozzy which are just the hand puppets like you'd have as a kid look totally real you look into them and you read into them intent yeah. life so watch Michael Parkinson interview Miss Piggy and uh, Kermit the Frog he never locks eyes with Jim Henson or Frank Oz he looks at the puppets but, uh, they're the, real and they've got that, real lives you can do that with kids if you've ever with a kid put a sock on your hand and then given it a stupid voice and then watch the kid the kid can't see you anymore yeah. look at the sock because they're invested with, in yeah. this thing. What happens with that is that you then read into them. If you've got really good writers and really good performers, you can give them more than most puppets of manic energy or naughtiness or sooty or something. They're, they're that. But the puppets, so the Muppets, as opposed to normal puppets, have got proper soul because mm. they're so simple, but they're so beautifully played. Just the way they tilt their heads uh, tells you what they're thinking. And because of that, you can read into them emotions and intent and identify with them much harder, I think, than almost any puppet I've ever seen because there's depth we just said we can tell the difference between Fozzie and Gonzo now you've yeah, yeah. two sort of comedians there and I can tell the difference between them because yeah. they've been written and inhabited as well as any characters and I think that's why you can then go on and make Muppet movies yeah no exactly. it's a sketch show it's funny I mean I've always felt like 
I've always loved the, the Muppet Show, and I, I got a, I got um, Jim Henson's biography, and I never, never finished reading it because I, th I think probably, I don't, I don't need to know all that much. Yeah. Like for me, they, they, they're so real. They're such complete characters, and I know that's because Jim Henson and Frank Oz and that team were so invested in them. But mate, like for me, I, I think that's just what it is. Like, uh, and I found weirdly, I had such a strong, visceral, angry reaction against Muppet Babies. <laughs> I was just like, absolutely not. That is not what this is. These don't need cutesing up. Yeah. These don't need reworking in a kind of in a lazy way, which which wasn't really ever about their Actually, backstory. Yeah, you know, they were grown ups. That's the other thing is there's a thing a theory that kids want to see themselves that Harry Potter logic saying that kids will always buy a book that's about them why did bookish kids buy a book about a bookish kid because they're bookish kids but there's also a real joy for a kid of being given access to grown-up personalities our avatars for grown-up personalities and the Muppets are all adults yeah they're all they've all got backstories and lives and things that none of them are children apart from Robin none of them are children and you as a kid are getting to see adult psychology and adult insecurity and adult neuroses mm. played out for your entertainment. Yeah, but Muppet Babies suggests that they've also got Muppet reproductive systems. As yeah. soon as Which you start... Gets a bit no, troubling, yeah, right? considering part turkey and chicken and, let's face it, frog and pig. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was a constant source of jokes on the, uh, on the Muppet show as well. They used to rib Kermit about it. Frog about, pig relationship. Yeah, about him having um, uh, chipolatas for children and <laughs> little chitlings and stuff. You're not, I, meant to, you're not meant to think about this any more than you're meant to think where the cookies go in Cookie Monster. You're not meant to. It's yeah, not nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, sorry, Charlie, Charlie Brooker said that about the Dolmio adverts. I don't want to think about felt guts. Gross. <laughs> no, this piggy, by the way, was originally Piggy Lee. Oh, no, ah. that's brilliant. Yeah. I. 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 Um, uh, Frank Oz was over working in the UK and um, I, at that time I played a regular game of poker with a few mates of mine and um, my buddy David phoned me up and he said oh we've got um, someone joining us for cards tonight I, I think you'll like him he's a good guy and I was like yeah fine man you know me I'm very relaxed about it so we played for very low stakes and stuff I walked in and it was Frank Oz and what? David had not told me and I sat down and I was I was just like I was in my head I was going Marcus just don't be just don't fanboy it don't fanboy it just don't be weird don't be weird I lasted two minutes before I started talking about an obscure um, thing they did called the Muppet Musicians of Bremen which is the retelling of a German folk yes. tale yeah, yeah. that I also have on vinyl and uh, and it's a really sad, very deep, very dark story. It was unsuccessful for the Muppet franchise <laughs> because it went way too dark. And I instantly went, your voices on the Muppet Musicians of Bremen is one of the greatest pieces of art I think I've ever seen. And you're dealing. <laughs> uh, and I have... By the way, I've got two pairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, unfortunately, I did win money off him. <laughs> and he still sent, he still sent my kids. Uh, he sent, my son has a picture a photograph of animal that Frank Oz himself chewed <laughs> he signed it and chewed it and we framed that oh, and God, then uh, my, my daughter has a has a Miss Piggy signed up with, with uh, mwah, 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 from him yeah so cool this I just wanted to tell you this one because I do remember this episode this was incredible so Gonzo planned a wrestling match 
with Con- with Congo, the wild mountain gorilla. <laughs> but he cancelled the match when Congo got stuck in traffic. <laughs> Kermit announces the precision drill team from Okenfoki, a pack of 12 frog scouts of America, as the replacement. As the scouts go through their drills, Quongo then enters, expecting to wrestle Gonzo. Instead, the confused gorilla is trampled by the marching frogs. Like, take the rest of the day off, you that, weird hippies. That's a classic three-act structure. It's yeah, perfect. There it is. That's, they won uh, series three of the Muppets, season, season three of the Muppets, won an Emmy for writing. And that was the series of Jerry Jewell and David Thingy and uh, Chris Langham. Uh, well, the writing team, they won an Emmy. Best writing in a primetime show. It's really well written. And it's really well written, not only on the line-to-line level, that you describe that as a perfect sketch. Yeah. But in that they, they allowed these characters to exist in a way that if something happened in this room, a lion came in, we all know how every single Muppet would react to that. And that's amazing writing. They've got a series of nuanced characters. Some of doubling up, tripling up, arrogant ones and quiet ones, dumb ones, clever ones, the, the band. You know how everyone would react. And that means you can throw a joke at anyone and get a good result. And you can also take those characters out of sketches and put them in endless movies and even put them into Dickens and they still work. Yeah. That's Gon- astonishing. With Gonzo playing Dickens... While his double act partner Rizzo the Rat, who was a great a great character, uh, constantly reminds the audience watching as to how implausible it is that Gonzo could be Dickens. But he keeps looking the camera, going like shaking his head. But I I got re- I was writing notes on this, and I got really affected by the fact that Gonzo gets to be Dickens. This is not so long ago. He was hanging from a feather boa trying to do the Merchant of Venice. Mm. And as his character evolves, and he goes from the very, very insecure, very nervous character at the beginning to the overconfident but without the ability to do it. And then here you are, 20, 30 years down the line. He gets to be Dickens, and he's a gentler voice. Yeah. He's much more assured, and you go, oh, he's come through. Weirdly, him running that show, rather than Kermit Mm. being Charles Dickens, being the narrator, which is what you'd think you'd do, Gonzo's in charge of the show. There are there's a high there's, art man. They found there, it. There, there's an episode where Kermit is is ill in bed and Gonzo takes over the show, and you think he's kind of Kermit's deputy in terms of he's the spirit of variety. And the what you've got to have in the middle of the Muppets is someone indomitable, someone who won't give up. Yeah, and that's definitely Kermit. Kermit is total decency, but oddly the weird one who they don't even know what he is is also allowed to be in charge. It's not the vanilla one who's in charge. It's not even Piggy, the showbiz one. No. You give it to Gonzo. Worth saying as well, with regard to Muppet Christmas Carol, not only one of the greatest tellings of that particular story, but I genuinely believe one of Michael Caine's finest performances, yeah. in which yeah. he, shows, yes. he shows far greater emotional range as an actor in that role... Then he has, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not being snide. Like he really does. He is so moved at the end of that when he goes into Bob Cratchit's house and sees how they're living. It's oh, stunning. But it's worth saying that all the Muppeteers, Frank Oz, Jim Henson, Dave Goals, all the others, they are actors. I mean, they're acting in, yeah. a, in a different way than Michael Caine is acting. Whereas Michael Caine would 
do business with eyes and camera and things. These guys are moving bits of machinery and doing voices at the same time, mm. and it's very—they're all really good actors in that Brilliant. sense, in a very, yeah. in a very unusual acting medium. Again, if you see those shots of what's going on behind the scenes in a, a, a in any Muppet shot, all these people are doing six technical things as well as acting, and they're doing their own voices as well. Because it's—I mm. I imagine I'm not a puppeteer, but it's impossible to do the voice without the movement. They're—they're they're, yeah. they're the same thing. And you find this, we've done shows with uh, with puppets in, uh, with uh, Yonderland with the, the Horrible Histories guys, and there aren't many people who can do it. And the Yonderland kept losing puppeteers to Star Wars. Because these guys who were doing Yonderland, oh, sorry, there's only six of us who've got the really strong arm. Uh, and they, they're on, they, they'll do amazing things. They're on skateboards. One of, one of the best things we ever told about puppets, we wrote a sitcom once that had puppets in it, and we wrote it like a normal sitcom, like the young ones, like a flat, flat share thing, and sort of disgusting stuff would happen. One of the puppeteers were on set said, you, you write this? I went, yeah. He said, you're the person who kept writing, he slams the door. <laughs> I went, yeah. He went, we can't slam doors. And it was something you'd make Rick May do that you can't make a puppet. It never occurred to us. And he said, it's okay. I think I know how to do it. And he made the puppet slam a door. Um, they're amazing people, but what they're doing is they're acting and doing six technical jobs at once. They are incredible people, puppeteers. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. It's mind blowing. I mean, going to see um, Avenue Q was fascinating because oh, yeah. the actors, uh, the actors, uh, obviously Avenue Q owes a huge amount to uh, to the Muppet Show and Henson and all oh, yeah. that. They were ex Muppet writers. I a think. lot of them were, yeah, them yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all of the training came out of the uh, Henson Studios. But obviously, the actors are there on stage, and the actors are interacting with each other as well as the puppets, and it's incredible. It's like you were talking about Jason with the uh, showing a child a sock you completely accept within seconds despite seeing them being operated that these are real or at least I do I'm a big sucker but, oh, it, must be like, it must be like that little that, that psychological yeah. uh, little YouTube thing you've seen where they go count the number of times that the white team bounced the uh, basketball and then play oh, it back yes. to you and go you didn't notice the gorilla did you yeah 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 <laughs> because you were just looking in a different direction a friend of mine Simon was one of the um, performers on Avenue Q and had to learn to be a puppeteer and the first thing and he showed me this is really really great he put a jumper on the floor and uh, he put his hands inside it and he just made it breathe wow right and I was wow. watching this thing I'm like oh, okay alright whatever he put his hands inside it he made it breathe and the moment he started doing that I was like oh that's alive that's what yeah. life is. And if you look at the Muppets, they're breathing constantly. They're moving yeah. with their breath. They're always moving with their breath. I mean, their chests are not moving in and out because that's not how those particular ones were built. But they're, they're always in this state of being alive. And I, as far as I know, that all came from, from Henson. Well, I think if anyone has ever tried to operate a puppet like on camera, you realise how much you're not doing. Mm. That a, a Muppet looks simple. It's incredible. What the, the other amazing thing is that all these tricks are theatrical tricks. They're to do with suspension of disbelief and they're to do with, with something happening live in front of you that you suddenly go, God, my, my focus has been pulled away from the, the eyes of the performer. To, it's something you think would only happen on stage. And weirdly, they filmed this and it still works when it's on big budget Hollywood things. It's literally what hasn't happened with that Cats trailer, which <laughs> is something that can only work on stage. They filmed it and you've gone, whoa, that only works on stage. With the Muppets, they've taken something which is a, a, a centuries-old stage trick and said, do you know what? We can probably do this down the lens of a, something as demanding as a television camera. And that television camera is probably so demanding it made them have to learn through the breathing. Yeah. Because the moment, we all know what Uncanny Valley is, it's the moment you suddenly realise something that's meant to be alive is actually dead behind the eyes. And you never get that with a Muppet. 
very early days, them trying to get stuff past Sam the American Eagle. I remember them introducing a sketch to him with Wayne and Wonder, the singing duet. Yeah. They go, uh, no, not only tremendous singers, they're church people. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, Wayne and Wonder would always do the same. It was always the same joke, and it was great. They'd begin a song. They'd start singing it. Um, I think that I shall never see and a huge oak tree crushes the pair of them just after he's gone they're church people <laughs> what a world to, to have created what a world and, and then every time I look at that world I'm drawn back to the edge of it where they're all like mm, Gonzo's weird isn't he yeah it's, it's, it's amazing to have a character where where you're encouraged to think of him as weird but accepted. Yeah. Because I think I, I definitely think the Disney version of this, there would be a transformation where Gonzo would, would suddenly hatch and be beautiful. He is the ugly duckling who stays an ugly duckling and, and the rest of them don't care. Yeah. I mean, the only transformation I can think of is when he appeared in Pigs in Space as Darth Vader <laughs> with, with his Darth Vader helmet with Gonzo's beak shape... <laughs> attached in black metal to the front of it and he, he came in and if I remember right Piggy looks at him and goes turns her head and just goes really? <laughs> as he walks in again that's another demonstration of you know what's going to happen these yeah. characters are so well established as soon as he enters even the silhouette oh the great thing about the, about the Muppets are they are silhouettes they're shapes as soon as a shape occupies the screen you know what it's going to do do you yeah. think They've it is a beak the... by the way or do you think it, it is, is described is it a, as a beak is it a tusk or a, <laughs> or, or a claw that's found its way to the middle of his face a growth a sort of out of control goiter is he a, is he a, hy <laughs> is he a hybrid is he one of those experiments is he something from a jar in an alien film yeah. <laughs> these things mixed together there's a brilliant thing you talk about high art and things there's a, just a he's again he's confidence it's a lovely <laughs> clip I saw of him talking to Paul Simon and Paul Simon's just playing him, uh, sitting there with a guitar and Gonzo goes you can call me Gonzo the Great but enough about me which one of my songs do you want to hear you've <laughs> <laughs> okay, got this little run again a little roadkill run and he is and obviously that's completely charming for Paul Simon doesn't mind that it's lovely <laughs> total confidence so would you say that sort of you, you chose Gonzo yeah is Gonzo you is that why? Is no. there something in you that is gonzo or that, that, that there is something, yes. to gonzo? Do you know what? There is something of it, but it would be dishonest to claim that that yeah, that that's really what I am. You I can't claim gonzohood, it has to be thrust upon you. <laughs> well sure, I'd be happy with that. But no, like a thing ended up happening for me in, in comedy, which is that when I began, I said all the funny things I could think of. Right? Which is a reasonable and very good way to start. And then after a while you kind of hone it down and the where I honed it down was um, with topical satirical stuff because I learned how to do it I was never very interested in the news I was never very interested in politics but it just sort of happened certainly on Radio 4 like I was this guy who ha I like I had the voice at the time right I was I was oh what what will Marcus Brigstock say about this for a brief yeah. moment I hope that's not toot my own horn too loud and there have been brilliant before and loads brilliant people now, get that job you right? are you're supposed I had, to go I had that job for a while and I loved it and I think I got good at it and I'm grateful to have done it and all of the time there was something for me that was missing so when the opportunity to um, play King Arthur in Spamalot came along, and I can't really sing, 
but I grew up on the Muppet Show, so I don't see why that should be a barrier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I leapt at it. I leapt at it, and I played Barnum uh, last year and did it every night a ten meter tightrope walk. So there's a, there's some Gonzo in that for sure. There's you a did the of, jump. I also That's did the Gonzoest thing. That's in the, the world. Gonzoest thing in the world. <laughs> Broke my leg. Uh, um, my Did leg broke. Terrific. My leg. <laughs> that's very much how I describe it. I really do. Like, like people say you, like you really badly injured yourself on, on the Muppet, on 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 the jump. And I always say the same thing. I I made it to the final. <laughs> and it's true. So my my the ligament in my leg broke as I went Ow. into the compression of the jump. Okay, uh, and when I then was ejected from the jump, it was the release of pressure that finally broke it. So it was broken in the air. And whoa, I knew as I, as I flew through the air, I had enough time to think about what was gonna happen. <laughs> I was up there having a very gonzo moment. This is not going how I planned. <laughs> <laughs> Looking down at the ground thinking, well, this is over now. And knowing how much it's gonna hurt. And, and also even, a, I can honestly say, hand on heart, even as I was carted off in an ambulance, going, what an amazing experience. <laughs> so there is, there's definitely some gonzo in there. And also, I mean, I think, you know, for the last um, nearly a year, I've been playing Lucifer on stage as a stand-up. Uh, kind of like Milton's version of Lucifer, this, this idea of a, a self-pitying... Uh, administrator in hell who's been put there doesn't still really know why he's there who's retired and is now dealing with hell being full of people who don't know why they're there either they're not really sinners they're just people who used a plastic straw after they broadcast Blue Planet 2 right and he's <laughs> sick of it and there's something I suppose this is unconscious but there's something kind of muppety about that about the whole approach and the big character thing that I, I guess uh, yeah I guess I'm kind of freer to to, to do that stuff now but I don't know give me half a chance to to get anywhere near the mayhem of the Muppet show and the just kind of the absolute love of whatever it is they're pursuing the, a piece of music a piece of obscure jazz or whatever it may be <laughs> and their commitment to it even if I don't manage that I definitely aspire to it I think that's the I think that's the very best entertainment I've ever seen in my life it's brilliant. It really moves me. I think it's wonderful. Well, what, I, I can't think of a better place to finish. That is a wonderful tribute to something which raises expectations and completely delights. It uh, went great. <laughs> Thanks very much for bringing on the great Conzo. Thanks, Thanks for man. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Greg. And thank you, Latitude. Thank you for coming. It's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 